You are listening to the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. My name is Chelsea. I'm a teacher, practitioner, spiritual director, and pilgrim. And I'm Erin, a creative, homeschool educator, counselor, and spiritual seeker. Listen in as we dive deeper into the contemplative lifestyle through hearing about each of our lives. You'll hear our triumphs, failures, practices, and mistakes as we journey together. You might even hear a kid or two in the background. So grab some coffee, tea, curl up, and take off your shoes. You are welcome here. Now let's get started. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. We are so happy that you are here with us. I'm Chelsea, and today we get to hear from my amazing co-host, Erin, and get a glimpse of her journey of becoming a contemplative mother. Are you ready? I'm so ready, friend. Yay. Okay. To start us off, can you tell us a little bit about your adorable family? Oh, I sure can. Um, Let's see. They are a handful, um, a lovely handful. I have two kids, one boy and one girl, and the boy is eight and the girl is five. And we are currently an active waiting family for domestic infant adoption, which basically means we are um, hoping to adopt an infant soon. I am married to my husband, Olin, and we have been married for 10 years. And we live in the hot, humid, and beautiful coastal Georgia. Oh, I'm jealous in more ways than one, but thank you. So in our intro that we have, we you describe yourself in a few words, a creative counselor and a spiritual seeker. What does that mean? Yeah, those are big words, right? <laughs> it's difficult to sort of define yourself in um, three adjectives or three roles, um, especially in motherhood. So let's break that down a little bit. I think specifically in the area of spiritual seeking, I feel as though I am the type of individual that's always seeking more in every aspect of my life. I sometimes use the word sojourner, um, basically temporarily residing at a place both physically and spiritually for some purpose to fulfill a meaningful part of my journey with God. Um, And so spiritually seeking Um, is just part of my identity. With the flip side being that embracing this sort of journey has meant that I might be catapulted or led to another portion of, you know, a different chapter (laughs) in a different part of the world or where I am now um, in the story that God and I are writing together. Um, And so quite Literally and figuratively, I am a writer. Um, I I am a just a lover of words and wordsmithing. I don't know if that's a word, but it should be. <laughs> um, and stories that have really formed my character, and they ultimately, I feel like, have given me tools to flesh onto paper the messages that I feel inspired to share and. Being a contemplative motherhood mother is one of them. So um, as far as counseling is concerned professionally, I followed that academic track. Um, I have a master's in counseling. 
Um, but I found as I continued down this track academically and began to study it, um, there was more meaning and significance in this portion of my identity. Um, and I found that I naturally desired to hear the life stories of others. Um, I enjoy hearing um, about their pain and their suffering and ultimately their desire for meaning. And so as a result, um, I feel it is part of my natural tendency to yearn to encourage and provide counsel. Um, So ultimately, all of that led to my interest in the intersection of psychology and spiritual formation, which is another can of worms. But um, all of that to say, (laughs) this is part of the spiritual seeking aspect of myself. Creatively, I just um, find a steady anchor in creative outlets such as art, music, writing. Um, And so for me, my purpose in the journey of contemplative motherhood is fulfilled through using those various outlets and intentional practices. So I hope that explains it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you did. And so much material I'd love to dive deeper on, but maybe we'll do it in our podcast. Yes. So how would you describe how you live your contemplative lifestyle? I remember asking you this question and being like, how <laughs> in the world do you possibly explain this? Right. Um, yes. First of all, I find that it's really important for all of us to evaluate what that means for us specifically. So everyone lives this differently. Everyone has a background and a value system that they come from. So there are different traditions, different family systems, different um, journeys of faith that all sort of intertwine into this lifestyle. So I think it's important to sort of make sure that we say everyone lives this differently. Um, For me, um, in a simple way, I desire to have an intentional practice and presence of a dear, deeper sp- spiritual meaning in a relationship with the divine presence of God. That's so I've written that down in my journal. And, and you know, I think to unpack that a little bit, I actively embrace the mindset within the context of my journey as just being a present mother within the divine presence of God. Um, so, I love that. Can yeah. you say that just one more time? Yeah. So that the, my mindset is just within the context of my journey that I am a present mother within the presence of God. And that looks so different for so many people. Um, and we all got there from some point or another. Um, And how we sort of made the decision to jump into this lifestyle. What is this? What does this entail? Um, And if we could give a dictionary answer for all of our listeners, you know, like that would be, (laughs) that would be so easy. Um, But we can't. So, yeah, that's one sentence how I have gotten to this point and what that looks like. Hmm. Now, last time I had talked about my hamster ball 
<laughs> and I'm wondering if you could give us a visual example similar to that, to your mm. prior history. Yes. So I love that you can obviously tell that we have teacher spirits. <laughs> we must have a visual concrete example to apply, right? Um, yes. And I was, you know, I started thinking about this. And do you remember those? I don't even know. I think it was like the late 80s when we were first, I don't know, we were First in school, this was when we had the old Apple Macs that you press the escape button and um, they had these super, super simple printers, um, but they had that connected computer Mm -hmm. paper. Um, I feel like for me, um, my life felt like this constant connected computer paper with a need for perforation, a just a constant output, a desire for achievement that is really inherent in my being. Um, but I felt like I was wavering and I felt as though I wasn't solidified inwardly um, and felt an achievement sense even within my spirit. But there was no peace. Um, and so on mm. paper, it was looking incredibly productive, right? If I were to turn in my resume of my life and the checkboxes that I had sort of checked over time, um, but I was wavering with this unpredictable emotion emotion, and grappling with a lot of circumstances that were sort of unforeseen. So um, yeah, I w- that was a lot of computer paper. <laughs> There was a long chain of paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I do wonder, but you don't have to answer this because I remember you had to put it in the printer a certain way. Like the right? perforated lines had to line up because if not, it'd get all crooked mm-hmm. and then the paper wouldn't come out. Right. And then you would feel like an existential crisis. Listen, I could go on about that for an hour. I mean, I could rabbit hole (laughs) down that for an hour because that entails exactly who I was as a human being. Um, But I, and ultimately looking at that, looking as though I was a person that looked productive per se um, on paper. I was still not internally anchored. Um, And I wanted that. I wanted whatever that looked like. And I had an extensive background of various faith traditions and and all kinds of um, rabbit holes spiritually that I had gone down. Um, But ultimately, circling back around, I wanted to live and be anchored in peace and have meaning in a time period where there was a significant amount of suffering in my life. So that was, that was the goal. Um, But I think that's true for a lot of people, you know, I mean, if we look back at our journey, we make decisions and ultimately have big transformational moments when we are going through a really difficult time period. So, you know, for me personally, there was some grief and loss, um, moving away from family, a constant changing environment. Um, I found myself on a farm after living in the city 
for a really long time. Um, I had a child with complex medical needs um, who I was, you know, through certain circumstances, unexpectedly homeschooling. And I had a toddler. Okay. Like a toddler should be enough. (laughs) Um, But I think ultimately that realization that so many of us have that we um, don't have control over our, our external circumstances. And we don't have control over the suffering of the world. Um, and I couldn't achieve that control outwardly. But I knew that an inner was possible. But I didn't know exactly how to do it. <laughs> oh, gosh, I can so relate to this. I just want to say yes, yes, yes. Right? Like mm-hmm. <sighs> the hamster wheel. It's still, it's a... It's still there. It looks a little bit different. Um, And so I think, you know, sort of as a sidebar, I think it's important for us to think about contemplative motherhood practically. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of us who some of our listeners may be listening may have never even heard this word before. Um, Maybe we have read some about it, but we don't know how to practically practice it is that a thing practically practice we're gonna go with that it's always a thing it's a thing whatever Um, words you splice together it it, it right so and yeah i'm I'm getting yeah inevitably as an achiever um by nature what am i gonna do right such an achiever um i thought there was like some point of maturity that I would get to spiritually, that therefore everything else would line up and then I would be like whole or peaceful or anchored or whatever language you want to use to place there. Um, And so I did some digging, as most of us do. And for me, that was a lot of books. (laughs) And uh, seeking mentors um, and learning what everyday practices of contemplative motherhood look like. And so I carve out time for rest. Rest. Don't we love that word? (laughs) Even just just saying it, it makes me feel restful. (laughs) In this, (laughs) this crazy life. A motherhood, rest is hard. Um, And I had sort of a preconceived idea that rest was sleep, which clearly we're all a fan of, most of us, Um, especially if we're a mom. Yeah. (laughs) You just dream those times when you can put your face on your pillow. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Except when your face is on your pillow and you can't sleep. Isn't that the worst? Yes. And see, that's not a state of rest, in fact, right? Um, and so mm-hmm. rest specifically for me meant being present and not doing or needing to achieve. And that was hard for me. I am a doer. So um, rest Um, The second practical component was creativity. I, by nature, am 
a very <laughs> creative, artsy soul. Um, and so music, art, and writing have been really pivotal in my um, spiritual life and my development. Um, and soul oh, care. Yeah. This is the one, soul care is one that I'm probably the most passionate about and where it intersects with my background. Um, and soul care, I think, really looks different for for different people. Um, but in my case, it's sort of looking at, sometimes we use the word self-care, but I think we say self-care in the sense of a mother is like, oh, you get to go take a shower. That doesn't feel like like care to me. That feels like like an essential for life, you know? Um, and yeah. so I say, yeah. right? Like, oh, you get to eat today. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Sitting down. Um, you get to eat down. sitting down. Congratulations. That's amazing. Um, so I think I I'm really big on language, obviously. So moving from self-care to soul care. And what does that look like to care for your soul? And I think that's the one that we notice the most when we don't attend to it. Um, And so soul care may look different for different personalities and different faith traditions. Um, For me, soul care is reading, time in nature, um, soul care for me was therapy. I think that's um, really important to say. And that has been a very extensive part of being able to fully embrace the contemplative lifestyle. So Mm. yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. And I think it's important that people know that like your soul care, your practices are going to look different. And we'll unpack that later. Um, but yeah. what we're looking for and ultimately what we desire is the results. And for me, that was a transformational process of being connected with the divine in a way that has bled over into other areas of my life, including my relationships with my children and into our family life. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to have to think about what my soul care is. I have never really thought about what I need to take mm. care of myself, my soul. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks, Erin. So how would you define a contemplative mother? <sighs> yes. So... Defining a a contemplative mother. Um, I think it's important to know that, like, there is some level of embracing of our external circumstances, right? Like, our kitchens and our dining rooms may be really loud. (laughs) Um, We may be chasing a child at one point or another, or we're shuffling back and forth to a... um, to a sport or an extracurricular activity. So I, I think... Um, understanding that we're not removing ourselves from those circumstances necessarily, um, but we're desiring more of an inward process and a connection with the divine. Um, And so for me, that means feeling a 
holistic anchoring in my mind, my body, and my spirit. And those are the three tenets um, that I sort of ensure to do an inventory of and encourage others to do an inventory of those. Um, And that's how we come to use the intentional practices. Um, I hope that makes sense. (laughs) It does. I mean, yeah, the holistic anchoring. Yeah. Yeah. So many words. You are a wordsmither. (laughs) Well, I enjoy the source. I do. (laughs) I don't know if everyone like me just enjoys a thesaurus, but um, little quirk of me. But, you know, being present as a mother and being present in the divine spirit, those are the two primary components. Um, And, you know, so I think ultimately it's important for me to share that I think um, most people who know me um, personally know that I'm still a super wild and free mother. <laughs> um, I still have those desires to let my hair run wild and take adventures into the creative unknown. And I still have that achievement nature. But I embrace those components of my identity um, as both Aaron, who is a spiritual being, and Aaron, who is also the mother to my children. And then with that, I place it in a larger vision and within a contemplative perspective. So I say yes to mud puddles and messes and understand that laundry and dishes are just like a constant evolution. I say no to things that don't line up with my set of intentions that I feel anchored within me. And I consult um, the divine spirit of God within that set of intentions. Um, I remove distractions or tasks out of a need to just sort of complete a list, right? And finally, you know, it's a learning process. And as I go, I feel as though it's another chapter and we're building another layer. And the contemplative lifestyle has now evolved into our journey as like a whole family, a whole contemplative family who just sort of happens to homeschool. <laughs> so, yeah, that's sort of the gist of it. I th- I don't know. I think there's a lot of unknowns, right? The world is yeah. basically a classroom, and I feel like I'm still learning. So, Yeah, I think that's the beauty of being, always calling it a journey. Right. You know, not knowing where you're going next, what's going to change, <laughs> because... Every day presents itself (laughs) with a new set of challenges. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I hope in the future we're going to be able to share some of those fun experiences um, with our kids. So you know that you're not alone. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Having our kids interrupt us and everywhere. 
everywhere in the household. I'm sure everyone can relate to that. Um, well, one thing, Erin, I have known you for almost 16 years, which seems so crazy. crazy. I know. But even listening to you today, like it is amazing. One, how much I can relate to this journey. And I don't know if anybody else listening can really relate to that desires and the anchors and that holistic um, seeking, you know, kind of a thing. But I was so surprised also how much I learned from you. Yeah. I mean, that's a long way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What, um, you don't know, I'm going to ask this question. So Mm, we get to to ad lib a little bit, but I love it. What is there an invitation for our listeners that you can find in your story that would be helpful? That's a really good question. Um, One of the things that I think a lot of us tend to do an inventory or have a moment where we ask for a deeper meaning and we ask for a connection um, with the spirit or with the divine. And we ultimately, a lot of it comes from suffering or from a difficult time period or a challenging time period. And so I encourage you, um, if you are sort of in the midst of a chat, what you would consider a challenging time period, whatever that looks like, um, to do that level of inventory that says, what specifically am I seeking and why? Um, and ultimately I think if you ask that question, then you're opening yourself up to a world of more questions, (laughs) right? But more opportunities, you know, (laughs) definitely more questions. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we say in the contemplative lifestyle, questions are good. Answers are bad. (laughs) Right. Well, I think question, good questions just lead to more good questions. Um, mm-hmm. If we all had the answers, then clearly no one would have a podcast. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> would anyone have a podcast if we did not have life questions? <clears throat> Highly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. A good, a, a good success marker for Aaron and I would be that you constantly are asking questions. <laughs> sometimes that can result in like three hour phone conversations so (laughs) it's okay to know when to pause the question yeah Yeah. no I love that invitation because you don't hear that type of invitation very much you know looking at your yeah looking at your life from a point of view that we try to uh run away from or pack down inside of us instead of allowing it to be a part of us, you know, to take us on our journey and wherever that leads. So beautiful. I love it, friend. Thank you. Um, So like we want to do with every podcast is to end it with a practice, an intentional practice. We'll use Aaron's word. So Erin is going to lead us here uh, with an intentional practice that she likes. 
So this was something that I actually learned early, early in adulthood, and it's called body tension awareness. Um, And this is an inventory of body tension, exactly what it says. Um, But I think that you'll find in areas that you carry more tension, you tend to ask more questions of like, why am I so tense in this area? For example, I carry a lot of tension in my hands and that's because I like to write a lot. So, you know, I think not to be overly analytical, um, this is really has the ability to sort of um, become a greater practice later on. But you first begin by um, a general awareness of your upper body and a general awareness of your lower body. We begin by the tightening of every segment of your muscle groups. So we start from the bottom and we build to the top. Beginning with your bottom limbs, we tighten and loosen. Then through our torso, we tighten and then we loosen. And then with our face and our head and our upper body, we tighten And then we loosen. And then in a final action, centralize your mind on one word. Whatever that is that relaxes and brings peace to your spirit. And with every effort, relax your mind. Nerve by nerve, thought by thought, until your very awareness is that of only your being. And I think I'm going to go take a nap now. (laughs) I will join you in that one. (laughs) Oh, that is just one of my favorites. And that will, there's a segue for that later. I think that's, um, that's a practice that has more unpacking to do, but I wanted to share this quote, um, from Father Richard Rohr. If you're not familiar, I'm a huge fan. Um, I think Many of us find that we gravitate towards certain spiritual fathers or mothers, right? Um, And he definitely has been that for me. So all great spirituality is about what we do with our pain. If we do not transform our pain, we will transmit it to those around us. Love him. Oh, girl, can you read that one more time? Absolutely. All great spirituality is about what we do with our pain. If we do not transform our pain, we will transmit it to those around us. Mic drop. Father Richard Rohr for the win. (laughs) Love him. 
Uh, yes. No, I can't just yes. I love the mystics. No, no. <sighs> well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for our next one. And Erin, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I loved being here with you, friend. It feels like we're in the same room, even though we're not. I so know. Thank you it's for been having a long me. time. Yes. All right. Until next time. Thank you again for joining us today on the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast with us, your host, Aaron Thomas and Chelsea Whipple. To get regular updates on our podcast, hear new episode drops, interact with us about past and future episodes, and find our show notes, make sure to go to our website, www.contemplativemotherhood.org. As always, we appreciate your support of this podcast and in helping us share our journey with others. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. This helps us to cross paths with other pilgrim mamas across the board. So until next time.